Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. For all those um, who have maybe not here, I, I was going to tell a joke this morning as I start. I, I don't normally tell, my wife is cringing now in the front seat. Because <laughs> I don't normally do jokes. J- jokes aren't my thing. Jokes aren't my thing, really. But hey, I'm going to have a go. <laughs> Look, they haven't even started me on the clock yet, so I've got, I've got a bit of time up my... No, I haven't. All right, I, I need Keith to be my honorary Englishman. Keith is my honorary... I need an honorary Scotsman. Is there a Scots person here this morning? Ah, yes, you look very Scottish there. Peter, yeah, okay, Peter's my honorary Scots person, and, and I'm the honorary Irish person. There is a boat on the ocean of life, and the first thing to learn about that is it's not the water that the boat is on, but it's the water that's in the boat that causes you a problem. So we're on the water, we're sitting there, and we are thirsty, and we are, haven't had food, we are, we are just lost at sea in this boat. And suddenly there's a boom alongside of the boat, and there's a bottle has arrived. And Keith, being an Englishman, reaches out and lays hold of this bottle, and it's a Dare I say it, a brown bottle with a long neck. He lifts it up, and as he lifts it up, he's looking to see what is in it. And so he rubs the bottle twice to try and clear the water off it to see what's inside. He's, we are desperate for water. As he strokes the bottle, the top pops off, and out steps this genie. Now you really know I've got a story going, don't you? How many of you here believe in Father Christmas? Okay, I'm in the right crowd. So this genie pops out and says, I've got three wishes for you. Three of us in the boat, that's one wish each. Turns to Keith and says, rather than being in this boat lost at sea and desperate, where would you like to be? And Keith says, oh, to see the River Thames, and hear the sound of Big Ben. Poof, he's gone. My honorary Scotsman, down here with the green shirt. Thank you very much, Peter. You were definitely adopted as a Scotsman. <laughs> he grabs the bottle as, as, it, as it's now falling. He grabs it, he gives it a rub. Poof, the genie reappears. He says, you have a wish, what is it? I want to be at the... Edinburgh tattoo and hear the bagpipes. Poof, he's gone. Guess what? I'm left in the boat alone. I have Irish heritage. A long way back. I have Irish heritage. I grab the bottle. I give it a stroke. Poof, the genie appears. He says, You've got a wish. It's the last wish. It's the only wish left. What is your wish? I go, oh, 
I don't know what. <laughs> I wish my friends were here with me. You have witnessed a special occasion. This is the 20th anniversary of this church. It's the first time I've told a joke in church for a long time. It'll probably be the last. But how do we do some dumb, stupid things at times? We say things that just come off the top of our head instead of out of the essence of our heart which where life springs from. The Bible tells me that the issues of life flow from our heart, from our spirit, from our inner man. We need something solid. We need something wonderful. We need something great in our hearts, in our spirits. In order to build our lives securely, and safely when the goalposts and the milestones in life are continually changing and moving and clouds of fog are coming through and obscuring our general and overall view we need something to hang on to that never changes and so in our series behind the scenes that Pastor Tony has been taking with us I have the privilege to speak to you about the importance of the Word of God. I have a Bible at home on the shelf. I have another Bible at home on the shelf. I have another Bible at home on the shelf. I have about 20 Bibles at home on my shelves. I have one with 26 versions in it on my shelf. I have an interlinear Bible on my shelf. But they're no good on my shelf. They need to be in my heart. They need to be in my life. When you first made your commitment to Christ, there was probably something in that message that spoke to you, that spoke into the depths of your being, and you said, I don't know why, but I'm feeling drawn to that. I agree with that. Something in me is resonating with what that, that I've just heard. And you began to put your faith, which is now being created in you because you've heard the Word and the Spirit has massaged it into your life. So faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. That's Romans chapter 10 and verse 17. And so you have now reached out. Whatever that verse was that first prompted you to begin to respond to the claims of Jesus Christ should be a foundation verse in your experience. That's the verse that first opened your life. That's a verse that's become a key cornerstone verse in your life and in your being. You should know that. You should know where it comes from. You should memorize it. You should repeat it. You should enjoy it. You should live in it. You should, as the Bible says in Isaiah chapter 12 and verse 3, it says, out of the wells of salvation we draw water. That verse of Scripture should be a supply of living water for you. And God is not mean. He doesn't say, you've got your one verse, that's it. 
He'll add to you. Second verse, third verse, fourth verse, fifth verse. In fact, looking at the average age of our congregation, you should have 50 or 60 or 80 verses of Scripture that readily come to mind. No matter what the circumstance is, now you find yourself in, there's a verse of Scripture that pops up. There's a verse of Scripture that the Holy Spirit brings to your recall. So that you can use that verse of Scripture to accomplish victory, to accomplish salvation, to accomplish your going through instead of going under. That's what God wants for you. He wants you to go over, not under. And every circumstance that presents itself to you, you have the opportunity to go over or to go under. And God wants to fortify your life. Talk about fortified vitamins. God wants to fortify your life with his word. So that you, so that you have the answer. You have the antidote. You have the power pill to overcome. We have received the gospel. You know that, don't you? Sorry, that's an old joke. My text for today is from Psalm 119 and verse 105. It says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. That verse is saying two different things. It's not saying the same thing. Let's just, for a moment or two, just begin to pull it apart. Your word. Who, who is the word? John describes who the word is. He says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things that came into being through him, and apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Light shines in darkness, and darkness does not comprehend it. That's the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verses 1 to 5. Out of all the, three, out of all the four Gospel writers, the first three want to tell you the story. John wants to confront you with Jesus Christ. John wants to make you stand eye to eye with him. He wants to make you stand nose to nose with Jesus. He wants you to so be enraptured that you would inculcate all that Jesus is into your life. That you would not be left arm's length away. He wants to confront you with Jesus. So in the first opening verses of his gospel, he says, this is the Jesus I'm bringing you face to face with. And then toward the end of his gospel, he says, the world does not contain enough books to write the full extent 
of who Jesus is. The Word of God. The Word of God. We need the Word of God. It's crucial. It's critical. It's absolutely, you are unable to live without it. The Word of God. The Word of God. It needs to be at the very heartbeat of your life. You need to take it in and have it there to save yourself and be saved. Lamp unto my feet. First of all, the word for lamp. I'm not much good on pronouncing Hebrew, so you can go home and do some homework. The lamp, the word for lamp here is just a small, a little shallowed, saucered lamp. May have some sides rolled up on it a bit, so it can contain a bit more oil in it. It'll have a little spout at one end where the lit wick is laid, so the tail of the wick is in the oil, and the, and the uh, wick that's exposed is on fire and giving you light. It's just a small personal light. Small personal light. Personal light. And what does it show you? It says, a lamp to my feet. Lamp to my feet. Do you know that your human body contains 206 bones? When you're a baby, however, it held between 300 and 350 bones. But as you began to grow, some of those bones fused together. And so ultimately, the adult person has 206 bones. Your hands, your hands have 54 bones in them. Your feet have 52 bones in them. In fact, each foot, 26 bones, 33 joints, 107 ligaments, and 19 muscles and tendons. Just so you can stand upright and walk. Just so you can have whoa, balance. Just so you can walk. Just so you can be stable. You see, really the scripture isn't saying, oh, that's so I can look and see, oh, I've got my nail color right on my toes. No. The lamp is not there to look at your toe color. The lamp is there to make sure that your life has stability, has motion, and has balance on a personal level. And then the second part of that verse says that it's a light to my path. The word used for light there is a different word than the word used for the lamp. That's why it's a different noun being used. And common in the day of when Psalms was written is there were torches probably about a meter long and up in the top of the torch there was an area there that either had a small reservoir of oil or um, wick material was soaked with oil, was kept in there. And so you lit that and you held it up high and you could see the pathway ahead. You could see where you were walking. You could see down a bit into the future. The word for light, however, is a different word. And the word for light 
actually speaks of daylight. It actually speaks of sunshine. It speaks of clear light, bright light. It actually even is the same word used in the Hebrew language for lightning. So it's a bright light. So God is saying, the Word of God is saying, that He's a lamp to our feet, that's personal, but He's a light to our lives that sees everything. It's like walking in a bright day. That's what the Word of God wants to do for you. If you feel like you're walking in a fog or you're walking in some place difficult, then I want to encourage you to get some focus in your life through the Word of God. Now, we are all encouraged to read a daily devotional. There's nothing wrong with daily devotionals. But nothing is going to, nothing is going to overcome or overtake when God speaks a word to your heart and your life. And you dwell on that word. You meditate on that word. You receive that word. You build that word into your life. You love on that word. You let that word love on you. And you receive light and energy and revelation from that word. It will strengthen your every day. Your very moral and mortal fiber will be strengthened by that word. You need to be in the word so that you can find the word for your day. If you're not in the Word, you won't find the Word. There are people who do life differently. Some people, when they get saved, they step out of their old life. Wow, this feels good. It's really great. Wow, I can turn a bit to this side, turn a bit to that side. Everyone noticing my flexibility in my back? Okay. Just thought I'd throw that in. But they just stand still. There's a story told. A mum and dad had retired back down to the living room, having put their little one to sleep, tucked her into bed, and after a short while, there's a boom, and there's a cry from the bedroom. Mum and dad hurry back up to see what's happened. And there's their little one lying on the floor. What happened to you? Why are you following me? They pacify her, comfort her, get her back up in the bed. What happened to you? How come you're on the floor now? The little child says something very telling. The little child says, I went to sleep too close to the edge. A lot of us play the game too close to the edge. It's not how far you can flap in the breeze, it's how securely you're attached to the flagpole. It's not how you can dangle your toes and your leg and how much you can get out there. That's not, that's not the ideal of greatness or bigness or growing or, or maturity. It's how much your life becomes merged with the standards that never change. The next lifestyle I observe is one where someone has come in and they take three steps forward, 
And then three steps back. And then... And when you draw a line this year after the last year, you find out that they're still in the same place. They've been all around the place, but they haven't been anywhere. They haven't gone forward in their lives. They've just sort of done this one step, two step, three step dance in the one spot. They haven't added to their life. They haven't added to their heart. They haven't added to their experience. They haven't added to the grace that has been shown them. Anything of substance that is causing them to grow and move forward in their lives. You need the Word of God in your life. You need the Word of God playing umpire. This is one thing I have found about the Word of God. Is the Word of God does not play favorites for any of us. What the Word of God says to you, it says to me. What the Word of God says to me when I'm being good or doing what's right, it's the same word it says to me when I'm not so good or not so right. You know, it's a scary little verse, and I call it a scary little verse because we'll be talking about relationships. It says, husbands, honour your wife. I'm missing out a few, verse, a few words now, purposely. Honour your wife. Lest your prayers be Hindered. You mean the prayers that I pray to God can be affected by the way that I treat the partner that He's given me? Yes. That's what First Peter three says, verse seven. Wow. Is there a corresponding verse for the for the wives? No. You had a prayer you've been sending up for a while, but it seems to have hit the ceiling and bounced back down again. Husbands, try putting 1 Peter 3, 7 into practice. And see if the prayer doesn't go straight through. You see, you need to know the word. You need to let the Word govern your activities. You need to let the Word touch your hands and touch your head, touch your heart. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, God was teaching this message to the Hebrew people. He said to them, before you leave the home, before you step outside, He said, submit your hands to me, write my Word on your hands. Some people get worried about revelation, getting the number written on their foreheads. It's a stolen idea. God already had it back in Deuteronomy chapter 6. He already had it 3,000 years before. 
Okay. So write it on your hands. Then write it on your head. In fact, some of the Pharisees used to have a little leather box on a strap. And in that little leather box, they had some little tablets, Ten Commandment tablets in there. Because they were supposedly fulfilling the law by having it written on their foreheads in this little leather box and attachment that strapped on their heads. But you see, it was still outside their head. It wasn't in their head. It was still outside, not, not controlling, not, not, not adjusting their behaviour, not guiding their behaviour, not directing their behaviour. I can hear someone saying, oh my goodness, when am I going to get time to learn all these things? Listen, this is what happens. When you first get saved, you might only know one or two or three verses. But the rest of the things you don't know, God actually will touch you by his spirit. You say, oh, I shouldn't be doing that. I, I don't know why, it just doesn't feel right to do that. I can, I can do this, but I, no, I can't do that. And then you'll discover the verse that gives comprehension and reason and wisdom why you didn't do that. Your spirit will make up. It will be your teacher. Before you know the word, the spirit of God will be your teacher with you. But as you begin to know the word and, and get a, an understanding or even a revelation of it, the reason that's happening is so that then you can become an instructor for someone else. God never wastes any activity. God is the most ec economic, I was going to say person. God is the most economic God that I know. I can't call him in, he's God. He doesn't do anything without it having a reason and purpose and a fulfillment. And the best thing I've found is often the things that I've done, oh wow, God, that's really good. He says, yes, sucker, it wasn't for you. I've done it so that your family will benefit, so others will benefit. I've done it in you so that others can bear and receive the fruit of it. God will not waste his activity and his hand in your life just to satisfy some selfish motive or heart or some self-consuming desire that we might have. He will put his hand in our lives so that we will be blessed and out of that blessing we can bless others. And he will teach us the word. He will instruct us the word so that we have a wisdom and an understanding and so that we can speak it clearly and openly and honestly. There's a third group of people and they are going through life like this. This is a fine life we're having today. This is wonderful. We are really moving along in life. It's wonderful. Thank you very much. It seems to be really good. I'm, I'm really enjoying this life. It's fairly broad and it's open. It's even, nice. Nothing to trip over. It's great. It's really, I'm really, it's just fantastic. Oh, there's those same people again. I saw, oh, there's that same tree I saw, yeah. Oh, gosh, there's that guy. Oh, look. <coughs> oh, look at this. It's a wonderful life I'm having. And I'm just, and we're enjoying this rather circular life on a broad way. But suddenly, as you're marching around with your family, one of your children say, 
hey, Dad, isn't this the third time we passed that same tree? We've been living life but going nowhere. Someone said it this way. Birthdays will tell you how long you've been on the road, but not how far down the road you've got. As we're strolling around the road. Oh, look at that fellow. He's going down that narrow road over there. Look, look at that. Look, look, he's going. Yeah, look at that. He's, he's by himself. Look, look at us. We're all together. We're all together. In fact, we're so together, we're singing songs. Let me read you a song we're singing as we move around here. A bit of nice low piano music introduction. Oh, that's nice. I really like the sound of that music. Yes. And then the words come on. They sing, imagine there's no heaven. It's easy if you try. No hell beneath us. Above us, only sky. Imagine all the people living for today. I've just read to you the first verse of John Lennon's song, Imagine. It goes on and gets worse. <laughs> now, here's my point. We come to church on Sunday. Oh, Jesus, thank you. Yeah, we bless you. Now. Oh, glory to God. Hallelujah. On Tuesday, we sing, Imagine. Ah. No, I'm not going to sing it. Imagine there's no heaven. Imagine there's no hell. Can you see that out of this mouth is coming the direct opposite to what I did on Sunday? And the Bible tells me this, that confession, what I confess out of my mouth, what I speak out of my mouth, my ears hear, and that speaks to my soul. On Sunday, I built my soul up and I said, oh, soul, worship God. Worship the Lord. And we even graciously felt the touch of God's Spirit. But on Tuesday, I'm singing, imagine. Imagine there's no heaven. Imagine there's no hell. Only above us is only sky. I've got a conflict happening in my life. Or I could be a Norm any Normie Rowe fans here today. Normie Rowe. Not, not, not Bo Diddley, but Normie Rowe. He said this song, It ain't necessarily so. The things that you're liable to read in the Bible ain't necessarily so. That's the chorus. I don't have the words for you, the rest of the words. But he does mock Noah, and he has a go at the Scripture. You see, if we do one thing one day and something entirely different another day, we are sending ourselves mixed messages. Yeah. Yeah. All due respects to the four gentlemen, they started off singing a song. It's one song I remember anyway. It says, um, all we need is love. Do, 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 do. All we need is love, love. Love is all we need. Do, 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 all we need, do, 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 all we need, do, 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 all we need. 
Well, they had the right subject. They just had the wrong object to love. Their expression of love was probably physical, not godly. But you see, if I sing that song and get caught up in it, it's wrestling with my theology. It's wrestling with my knowledge of God. That's what theology means, knowledge of God or experience with God. It's wrestling with my faith. It's playing with my feelings. Because after they had a ride in a yellow submarine and had afternoon tea in an octopus's garden, one of them said, my sweet Lord, my sweet Lord, even then used the word hallelujah, which is the highest acclamation of praise to God. We don't even know what it means. We just know that we're allowed to say it, but we don't understand when we say hallelujah, how that shakes heaven above. We've got this word that's in our language, hallelujah. And from scriptures, we understand that it's the singular highest praise we can offer to God is to say, hallelujah, Lord. And some clown is singing in a worldly song, honoring Krishna. Give me a break. And when you and I sing that song, some Christians even thought George Harrison, or that man, that Beatle, when he even thought when he wrote that song, he was going to get saved. He was on the road to being saved. A little confused, but going to be saved. Well, to the best of my knowledge, that hasn't happened. But here's the difficulty for us. If we sing those sorts of songs without understanding what we're saying, if we repeat those words, we are fighting against the very core of ourselves, against the faith that God wants to rise, against our spiritual life. We're undermining it and causing trouble. One last song, because I, I know you're really impressed with my, my singing capacity here. I could be quoting Isaiah 28. No, Ezekiel 28 or Isaiah 14. Where it says, I've been alive forevermore and wrote the very first song. I put the word and the music together, melodies together. I am music I write the songs. I write the songs that make the world go round. I write the songs that, da, da, da. You know that? Sweet sound. Oh, sweet sound. Music and worship were invented in heaven. But the worship leader fell. He opted for an alternate lifestyle. It's so sad today that people who are musically gifted, people who have got a great talent from God, find themselves in despair, often living 
the alternate lifestyle. I want to ask you, are they following God or are they following something different? The answer is fairly clear. That's the broad path. Finally, there's one path over here, and it's a straight path. It's a good, but it's narrow. Steve, it's only one man wide. You got that? You got my verse on your thing? Good. I'm just making sure Steve was really had the right verse. It says, broad is the path that leads to destruction because you get confused. You're going around the same path all the time because the word is not guiding your thinking and guiding your life. Narrow is the path that leads to life. Here's the trick. Narrow is the path that leads to life because it's only one man wide. It's the man Jesus Christ. And when your lives and my lives are hidden in his life, we are safe. As I come to my conclusion now, the light of the word will bring conviction in our lives. When I said conviction, some of you said, yes, when I do something wrong, I feel bad. Yes, you do. That's the Holy Spirit's job, is to make you realize that what you've just chosen to do is not right and wants you to change. It's not to make you just feel bad, it's to want you to change. But the same Holy Spirit, when you do something right, will add to your confidence, add to your strength, add to your hope in God. Second one is, the Holy Spirit will counsel you from the Word. If you lack wisdom, if you lack understanding, if you're concerned about, is this a good thing or is that a good thing? Is this wrong? Is this right? Get to your Word. Get to your Bible. Get to your Scriptures. Use that thing at the back called the concordance. What's, what's the subject you want to find out about? Then look up that one singular Word and it'll give you a list of Scriptures that speak to that one Word. Use the concordance. That's what it's there for. I love the maps at the back of my Bible. Shows me where Jesus walked, that He spoke to real people, that He lived in our world. You can read all the women's weeklies or buy all the Holden Car magazines you like, but you will not find the gospel there. You need to go to the right place to find the right word. And finally, if you're looking ahead, you need a compass for your life. You need a compass to give you understanding in what's around the corner because you and I can't see around corners yet. So the Holy Spirit will convict you on the Word. He will counsel you on the Word. Not cancel you out, but talk to you, discuss with you, bring you to an understanding. And He will be a compass for your life. This way, that way. If a big ocean-going liner just varies two or three degrees on the course that it's supposed to be setting, it will miss its destination by miles. And in the sea of life, where each of us are living our lives, we need to have our compass set 
on God. We need to have our compass being trued in. We need to be finding that end point in God. Don't trust your own sense. Don't trust the people who have been around the track 50 times and seen the same tree. Watch out what your confession is. Don't sing praises to God on Sunday and sing praises to something else on another day. Don't bring yourself into internal conflict. But make God's Word your only foundation. Make His Word your only foundation. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au 